He's got wheels. And he's using them here. Look at this. Tarkington-esque. Looking deep into the end zone. And it's picked off. Asi Asi, the intended receiver. Blackman picks it off. Well, I don't know how much better a day could go for the University of Utah. It is your Utah postgame show, Hans Olsen, Frank Dolce. So, Frank, what we have here is Minnesota losing to Iowa, Oklahoma currently beating Baylor. And by the way, if you're wondering why I'm talking about Minnesota and Baylor, those were two undefeated teams that needed a loss. You've got USC who's in action. you got to get a win from USC tonight. USC needs to take care of their business yeah. because USC needs to continue to try to look like a decent team. And then you've got Utah with what I would call major style points tonight against UCLA. Talk about this win, Frank. Well, it was a it was kind of a interesting start for Utah on the defensive side, especially. But it, but it's not it doesn't seem like it's uncommon. This team kind of takes a, a drive or two to to settle in or to really understand what the opponent is going to do, and then once they figure that out, it's like they just put they just kind of slowly put the chokehold on, and then they just don't let go. Yeah, and and even with a big lead. And, and the game well in hand, there's still this pride of competing, competition in this team, competing to the very end. UCLA was about ready to score right there in the fourth quarter, and John Penasini said, Nope. No way. Yeah. I've worked too hard. I'm not going to let this go. These are those little things like that make me think that there's something about this football team. They give up a huge first drive to UCLA. First drive of the game. Yeah. UCLA is poised to go in, and two plays in a row, they go backwards, Yeah. and they have to kick a field goal. Trell Burgess, tackle for a loss, and a Bradley a nice sack. Takes them back about, what, 12 yards? Yeah. And they have to kick a field goal. Mm-hmm. Those are the little things that make you think, well, there's something about this football team. And UCLA and Joshua Kelly tried to run the ball. They just they couldn't. They did not get past 50 yards. They couldn't. Yeah, they just couldn't do it. 50 yards on the dot for the team. So every time, I mean, I, I, I thought I was cautious about this football team, and I— Maybe I was too cautious coming into this game. I thought 35-10 would be a reasonable score. And the truth of the matter is, you know, Utah came up with some really great turnovers. That killed offensive series for UCLA. Maybe without the turnovers, the score changes a little bit. But you can't take it away. I mean, Utah went out and, and got the turnovers. They created the turnover opportunities. They won the turnover battle 5-1, to one, three fumbles recovered, two interceptions, and came out of the turnover battle uh, up extremely well. Is that correct? Five to one? Is that correct? Is that right? I think that's right. 
I have no indication. That, yes, that is right. That's <clears throat> not right. Yeah. That's right. It's five total. UCLA gave Utah the ball five different times. T- 21, 21 points off turnovers is what Brian is telling and us. And another defensive score. Utah's got to lead the country in defensive scores. Brian, could you see if they – they've got that – like – Scotty puts it on the over-under every single Thursday Utah preview I know. show. And every time I'm like, well, the odds I, say. I, the odds say. I took the under this week. I didn't, I didn't. There were times when I would take the over on Utah defensive or special team score because I felt like the only way Utah was going to win a football game was to get a defensive or special team score. Well, they, they don't need it anymore. <laughs> they don't need a defensive or special team score and and they're still creating the defensive special team score. So, and they they had they had a couple. Had Peter Tonga not gotten tackled by a quarterback, he may have scored. Oh, he's gonna that he's gonna get made fun of. It, it's funny because I Frank, I wish that we could take everybody into a college know, film room or uh, an I NFL know. film room because a lot of times things that people see that are like, oh, that's amazing. You get bagged on. Oh, that's... Like, you get made fun of relentless. Absolutely. And when the guys get a hold of Pita Tonga batting a ball out of the air and <laughs> intercepting it, they're going to be like, nice job, and, and then it's going to be, rewind that. They're not even going to say that. that. Who t- what? Yeah. You let him tack. You went down so soft. How did you not keep your feet? Even They're going to bag on him. Even Morgan Scally. Defense coordinator, who I who I understand graduated the U- University of Utah, magna cum laude, went over to Pete Tonga after that play, and I I don't read lips for a living, but I'm pretty sure he said the first thing that he sa- came out of his mouth was, "You got tackled by a quarterback." <laughs> Are you being serious? No, not really. Kind of. No, <laughs> only kind of. <laughs> only kind of. It's going to be said a couple of times. But Pete Tonga with a fantastic interception. You know, you were talking about the the tackles for loss and the, and the sack that took him down. We're talking about the forced turnovers, multiple forced turnovers in in the red zone. This is a championship level team, and it's it's a defense that can choke you out. I, I will admit. UCLA. I mean, in all fairness, because you, know, you can't just sit here and go over all the good things. There are some things that need to be cleaned up. There was a situation where Dorian Thompson overthrew a wide open receiver that was ten yards outside the end zone. He overthrew him by five or six yards, and he had a ten yard step on Jalen Johnson. That that could have been a, a score. That probably should have been a score. Giving up a turnover somewhere around. Your own twenty yard line, I believe, didn't wasn't the uh, Demari Simpkins turnover somewhere like on the Utah twenty. So UCLA takes possession, but then Utah puts the stop on them. So it was just Utah would suffer. They they would they would have a little bit of nervousness, a, a moment of of UCLA push it, and then they would just push back, mm-hmm. push harder. Get the stops, force the turnover. What do you got, Brian? Well, you're right on. It was the 28-yard line that he fumbled on. And then just getting back to the scoring defense, yeah. they'll now be second in the country with five. First is Illinois with six. Wow. So, so five defensive touchdowns. It is 
this de- this defense is pretty, so pretty good. Nasty. It's pretty good. It's a really fun defense to watch. I just sent this tweet out. If you're just jumping in your car, let's throw this back old school. We'll make it a Frank Dolce Utah post game party. Wait, why? Let's not do that. Let's make it a hands and Frank show. And we're going to talk about the Utes. Utah postgame party, party, party! Come on, Frank. No. You know what this is, man. This is, this is I'm... This is the Frank Dolce postgame Hans Olsen. Olsen party, like, Can man. we do it Hans Olsen featuring Nobody Frank Nobody wants Dolce? that crap. Yes, they do. No, I, Yes, they do. I know Andy wants it. No, stop. Don't do that. <laughs> 855-340-9663. Jump on the postgame show. 855 855- Three four zero nine six six three, and we would love to have you on the post game show if you got questions or comments. But I just sent this tweet out. And, okay, I'm ready, and I uh, I feel pretty good about it. I said all the Utah stars were out tonight. Tyler Huntley slinging perfect passes for touchdowns. Terrell Burgess getting TFLs and recovering fumbles. Bradley and I multiple sacks. Brant Keithy. <clears throat> with his masterpiece. Zach Moss, over 120 yards. Mika Tafua, scoop and score. This is a college football playoff team. Why? Because the things I talked about on Thursday and because of the things I talked about in the pregame show. Utah fans were nervous. Well, I'm not a fan. I'm a fan of good football. I just like good football. That's what this team is, and that's why all week I was saying, no. Oh, I've got, I've got no like. I, I understand that Utah fans have been hurt in the past, multiple times in, in November. Yeah, and bad hurt. Like, yeah, yeah. Like thinking that everything was going the right way, and then Arizona got you, or Washington State got you, or somebody got. And and you were even hurt earlier this season. So I understand that you know USC dumped you right when you thought everything was going great, and USC calls and is like, "Hey, look, I met somebody else." And and so I get your your heart's broken and and it, and there were some hard times, but you can lean on the stability of this Utah defense, and you can lean on the stability of Zach Moss. And now the difference between this Utah team and maybe some past teams where you've had the number one, two, or three defense in the country is you've got a dynamic quarterback that thinks pass first and and drops really nice passes in on time and on rhythm. I want you to talk about the connection between Tyler Huntley and Brent Keithy tonight. You mean the, the connection that found Brent Keithy open on the corner route about 175 times in that game? I, how many times... How many times was he going to keep running the corner route and then find himself just in the right spot above the safety, behind the defensive back, and Tyler Huntley just dropped it. By the way, in your film study, here's what I want you to do. Okay. Just one time. All right. Just can you do like an outline? Take your pointer with the little hand yep. and then just outline the pocket Okay. for Tyler Huntley. All right. Because there, there were times that he got pressured tonight, no question, but... More often than not, it was this wall mm-hmm. in front of him. Maybe two or three yards of separation between the defensive line and the quarterback. And if you've ever been in that situation, the comfort, the ability, 
to relax and throw the ball is there's just nothing like it. Mm-hmm. And we could see Tyler Huntley and his he's been incredibly accurate this year, but even more so when the pocket is like that. And like we talked about in the pregame, Brant Keithy is is kind of like that he's he's kind of like a safety blanket. I mean, he's the guy that when you're a little anxious and you're a little nervous, he, you're looking for mm-hmm. that guy because you know he's going to figure out how to make a play. Well, tonight he was fantastic. And I believe, if I'm not correct, this was his best night as a Utah football player. Five receptions, 132 yards, 26.4-yard average, plus the touchdown. He had the one long of 69 yards. He had an unbelievable night. It was a great night by Brant Keithy. Here's a kind of a strange stat. You ready for this? Yes. There was not a receiver on the University of Utah roster that had more than one catch tonight. There was not a receiver. Oh, not a receiver, that's right. Not a with receiver. more than one catch. You had a tight you, end, right? You had Zach Moss with four. You just mentioned Brad Keithy with five. Everybody else across the board, one. Samson Nakua, one. Brian Thompson, one. Jalen Dixon, one. Solomon Ennis, one. And then you had Cole Fotheringham, the other tight end who had one. But the ball was spread out. Tyler Huntley ended up with 335 yards passing, but Brant Keith, why, why, why look anywhere else? Yeah, why look and, anywhere until else? Until UCLA stops it, that thing is wide open. And then how about Brant Keithy breaking tackles? Like, mm-hmm. at least it felt like every reception he had at least one broken tackle. Felt like that, yeah. So Brant Keithy does on the season. Did you say that on air, Brian? Go ahead and say that on air. Yeah, Brant Keithy leads the team in touchdown receptions right now with four. Brant Keithy leading the t- the team in touchdown receptions, and that's not a surprise to me. Mm-mm. I mean, Mm-mm. I mean, he's just been that kind of reliable, and he's really good at cutting in the routes, like you talked about in the pregame show. He's a major mismatch. Mm-hmm. Um. I did talk about in the, the Thursday preview show, I thought that he would have a 60-plus a yard touchdown. Did you say that? I did. Are, are you sure you said that? I'm 100% positive. In fact, I remember Can it, we roll the tape on that one? I remember it so well that I've had three tweets coming in saying, dude, well, what did you know? I had a little bird tell me something. Oh, I know. And you know how I know? You know how I know? How? Because you... I'm not saying that you show your hand, but like when you say things to me, like I just have a feeling that Utah's going to bring that pressure package tonight on the defensive side. I mean, I just have a feeling. And then everybody else is looking at the game like, well, wait, Utah's been really good the way they're p- playing the defense. Why aren't they just going to play the same defensive scheme? And, and then you have this, you have this other thought. And then I, I'm thinking, well, yeah, okay, so something's up. And then out of the blue, during the pregame show today, you start talking about, you know, you, your favorite receiver and talk about what Brant Keithy means to this, this offensive football team. And I have said previous to this that Brant Keithy's my favorite receiver because yeah. I think he's so reliable. But then all of a sudden you were making a point of it. You did have me a little like a little uneasy about it because I was just I wasn't sure if you had some inside knowledge 
or if you were just trying to support my position that he's like you just wanted me to talk about my favorite receiver on the team. I figured that he'd be used a lot tonight. Utilized. Yeah. Don't say used. That's, Utilized. Yeah, okay. As a tool. Multiple times. Well, he was. Brent, five, five times to be exact. Brent Keith, he's a special player. And like I said, the stars were out tonight in force. Talk about Zach Moss's game, Frank. Oh, come on. Here's what we said before. Here's what we said before. I, I like to say things that we said before that came true. I'm not going to talk about anything that we said before that didn't work out tonight. But, but, but this is a UCLA team. I'm going to tell you about this UCLA football team really quickly. This is a UCLA football team that is number five in the Pac-12 rushing defense, giving up 137 yards per game. Pass defense, UCLA is 10. They give up 294 yards per game. And, and I kept saying, I know that UCLA feels like they're pretty good against the run, but I don't feel like they've faced a running team like Utah. Coming into this game, Joshua Kelly, UCLA leading the Pac-12 in rushing yardage. Zach Moss, number two in rushing yardage. Mm-hmm. Zach Moss averaging six yards a carry. And Joshua Kelly averaging just under five yards a carry. Coming into this game, here's how the numbers look tonight. Joshua Kelly, 19 carries, okay. 78 yards, 4.1 yards per carry. So, so not a bad night. We talked about that. That's still productive. Just under his average? Just under his average. That's still productive. As he's far as a, yards per carry. He's just, Right. So I, I still feel like... Why not give him the ball a few more times? He's still getting four yards per carry. Why not give him the ball a few more times? I think 19 carries is too little for him. Now, people are going to say, well, you get behind and then you have to play catch up. And, but I, you know, I don't always agree with the philosophy that, that you, change your, you change your offensive game plan to play catch up. You, you still have to do what you do well. And I thought that that was still productive. But nevertheless, that's where it ends up. Zach Moss on two less carries, 17 carries, ends up with 127 yards on the night. That's good enough for a 7.5 yard per carry average plus the two touchdowns and the long run of 38 Hmm. yards. That's one guy against a UCLA defense that's giving up 137 yards a game. He gets 127 yards a game. I think I had the under on that. Yes, you did. And If it wasn't a blowout, I, I, I might have I might have been there. It was so close. And Utah, Utah ends up with 200 yards rushing tonight. So Utah still – now they took Zach Moss out of the game, but they still ran the ball 38 times. Zach Moss only had to th- – I mean, excuse me, Tyler Huntley only had to throw the ball 18 times. Jeez. I mean, offensive efficiency – by the way, 
you remember way back when we we're saying, well, Zach Moss's you know pass efficiency numbers look good, mm-hmm. like he's completing a lot of passes, but he's only completing passes for six, six and a half yards. So we said at that time. His productivity has to increase. The passing game productivity has to increase, meaning yards per completion. Yeah. Well, guess what he had tonight? 18.6 yards. It's a great night. That's unreal. Two touchdowns, and once again, he's not thrown an interception. It's really impressive to watch Tyler Huntley play right now. He is a man on a mission. And it was also fun watching him have fun. For those of you that were in the stands or maybe you've been in your car all evening, you didn't have an opportunity to watch this. After every touchdown, whether Tyler Huntley was on the field or on the sideline, he was sprinting. And some of the, you know, like the Keithy catch for a touchdown was a 68-yard grab. And instantly the camera goes to Tyler Huntley and he's sprinting to get to the end zone to celebrate with the guys that were getting the touchdowns. Did the same with Nakua. Mm -hmm. When Nakua took that one, whatever it was, 45 or 50 yards, sprinted all the way down. And then uh, he wasn't on the field for one. And he was sprinting down the sideline with his helmet off. He was navigating the sideline. To try to to get get there. So he's having fun. The team's having fun. And we're going to talk a lot. Throughout the week, we'll talk a lot about what this team needs to do to keep focus. Because I've got a lot of thoughts on keeping focus and not having a letdown moment. All right, Frank, you want to jump out and take some phone calls? What do you think? I'm I'm a little gun shy. I I have to be honest. But hey, I don't. I'm not going to back down, Brian. You stick close to that dumb button, okay? <laughs> if they say anything about pie, if they say anything negative, if they say anything about herpes, if they say like, <laughs> be close to that dumb button. Don't take it. A lot of times, this turns into a bag on hands of Frank show, and uh, and it's it which can is get kind rough. of fun. I mean, I don't. I I have to admit, I'm putting a lot of trust in the callers that we have on hold right now. So if they let me down, all right, here okay, we go. Here, prayers up, here Lyle. We go. You're up first with Frank Dolce on the Frank Dolce Frank Show. Well, it's good to talk to you two gentlemen tonight. Hands, you're a legend. Frank Dolce, you are the number one Utah quarterback of all time. I don't care if Alex Smith was there or not. Oh, yeah. Look at you. Look at you. We can even clarify that. Maybe just say in the year 1991, years 91 and 92. I'll even take that. All time. Lyle knows. (laughs) So I have two questions. Are they going to retire Zach Moss's jersey? And is Bradley and I and Francis Bernard the best tandem defense ever in Utah history? Oh, oh, wow! You know Uh, that's going to take some research because they're they're fantastic. Uh, Was Trevor Riley on the field with Paul Kruger? Who who was the who was on the field with Kruger? Okay, Brian, we're going to... We, we need to Frank, do a little research on that. Was it Sylvester? Oh, well, oh my heavens. With Paul Kruger? Stevenson Sylvester? Oh. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's oh, oh, oh. Wow, that's a good... That's a great question. Um, Trevor Riley was on the field with Nick Orchard, or Nate Orchard? Nate Orchard, yeah. Back mm. in when, when he was Fakahofua. Yeah, Nate Fakahofua. He he wasn't sack master Nate, but he, he was on the field with Hunter Dimmick, yeah. who yeah. still yes. owns the record. Mm-hmm. Yes, Hunter Dimmick and Trevor Riley. Oh, by the way. Fakahofua was good. He was he was the best when he was a senior. Guess how many sacks Bradley and I is away from Hunter Dimmick's record? 
Don't look at the computer. <laughs> I, I, I don't. don't. You looked at your computer. Well, I did, but I was just looking at UCLA, okay. Utah stuff. Guess how many sacks Bradley and I is away from reaching Hunter Dimmick's all-time sack record. I'm going to go with two. Trace, three. He got two tonight, and he came into the night down by four, and I... Oh, no, sorry, down by five, needed needed to get five in order to get the record. So three more, and he matches. He's going to get it. He's got, realistically, he's got three games left. Well, plus championship, playoffs, yep. bowl game, whatever else. So. Yep. So he's got plenty of opportunities to get that number, <laughs> and I, I guarantee you he, he wants it. I don't know. This is a very good combo. This This is... So I'm going to say this is without doing any research. This is a top five combo, all time, all time. Mm, I t- I'd but, say top but, three. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you'd say top three. I, it, who, I you could but, probably who, argue who? it as one. But I, but you got to understand, like I'm the biggest Trevor Riley believer. He, oh, the, yeah. the way he well, played the game was yeah. so yeah. beautiful. And then uh, Hunter Dimmick. What they call them, lunchbox? They call yeah, them, le- yeah, something like that. Snacks, snacks, <laughs> snacks. Yeah, snacks. Also, my nickname who, around who the played, station. Who was there? Who was there with Johnny Paul? I mean, come on, Johnny Paul was Johnny Paul was amazing. Yeah. Oh, okay. Johnny Paul was absolutely great. Uh, what about Joe Giannone? Gianoni. Joe Giannone. Giannone. Oh man, you know I have a special place in my heart for him. Why? Well, we're countrymen. Oh. Uh, as in? He's from Italy and I'm from Italy. Oh, okay. Somewhere back in our life. Giannone. Yeah, He absolutely. was a beast. Oh, a beast. But but Francis and Bradley are special. Did you see? Uh, there were a yeah, couple times. They, they brought Francis on a couple of looks tonight. Yeah. And he was pressing passes and I know he was the, making things happen. The, the, the combination, those two linebackers together, Devin Lloyd and Francis Bernard, that's a combination that you have to think. Hmm, yeah, that's a really good. That's a really good group. Eight five five three four zero nine six six three. Jump back out the phone lines. Go to Spencer. You're up next with the Frank Dolce Frank Show. Wait, what was the? Sorry. What, what hey, Spencer. Hey, hey, Spencer. Hey, how you doing? Good. Fantastic. <laughs> oh, you were clo- You were quick with that. You were not really? tonight. <laughs> not tonight. I I, re- I really Spencer, call back. I really uh, wanted to hear that. I don't know where he was I going. Really I really wanted to hear you, that. I can give him your private number if you want to talk about it. But, but I sw- not while I I'm on watch. I didn't ask for the private number. I thing, swear but. Brian just saved us from an FCC violation because I, all I heard was dog lick, and then it was. And then Brian got him. I think got him. Toe was the next word. Eight five five three four zero nine six six three, which is relaxing. We can't do a post game show when you have things like that going on. A Clear. dog licking my are feet. We, do we need to take a? Oh my heavens! Do we need to take? A, are we in a? Are we taking a break? When's the last time you had a dog like really? Oh, get after I know your the feet? answer to this. Never. Then you haven't lived. Then you haven't, you have not spread your wings border, and lived. That's borderline abuse of an animal. No, it's past borderline you're relaxation. Right. You're, you're right. It's past borderline. It feet. is absolutely abuse. That's not. That's not what an. You're 
your dude you, dog is you, supposed you to do. You dumped him, Brian, and look what he still got in. He still got in. All right, we're going to take a quick one. We'll come back to your phone calls. 855-340-9663. On a night that the University of Utah gets a big win, 49-3 over UCLA. And, man, they get some help. Oklahoma beat Baylor. That was big news. Iowa beat Minnesota. Big news. Everybody's got one loss across that board. You got to have those teams suffer the loss, and you got those losses. So many good things happen. Watch USC closely tonight. You got the style points, 49 to 3. You got the style win, complete domination of a team that had three consecutive wins in UCLA. So everything you needed, you've got it so far tonight. It's a great evening to be a University of Utah fan. Stick it right here with the Utah Post Game Show, 97.5, 1280 The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Simpkins in motion, third and four. Wide open. That's Keithy again, and he slipped the tackle. He could take it to the house. Touchdown. And he turns it, makes him pay for that lack of technique and execution in defense. I don't know, man. This team's got a little bit of mystique around it. It's got mystique. It's got interest, intrigue. It's got big playmaking ability. It's got the best defense in the country. It's got one of the best run games in the country. It's got one of the top running backs in the country. It's got a quarterback that's playing as efficient as any quarterback in the country. This team's got, they got it. They've got that feel. Like, this team has to get a chance. I'm looking. I'm looking over the scores right now across the country. Yeah, and and I haven't. I haven't really given Utah a shot to make the playoffs because not because I don't believe Utah should make the playoffs because I believe other forces are working against Utah making the playoffs. Like somebody's going to say. One loss Alabama versus one loss Utah. I'm taking one loss Alabama. And then a bunch of people are the committee going to vote that way. And I don't think OSU, I don't think Ohio State's going to take a loss. Clemson's probably not going to take a loss. But then someone's going to say one loss Georgia. I take a one loss Georgia over one loss. Utah. Okay, let me throw this at you. L- 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 Hold on. Louisiana State's not going to L- take a Let me a throw loss. this at you. <clears throat> so you've had five college football playoffs. Five. Mm-hmm. Pac-12 has been left out of three. Mm-hmm. Does that hurt or help the Pac-12 champion this year? It, does it? It does it come back around and they're like, oh, we've kind of left the Pac-12 out for three of the five. Years. I don't think they and, care, in, including consecutive years. I don't think they care. I don't think they think that way. I think that the I think the the theme in the room is nationally. What is going to bring the most attention, the the largest viewership to this game? So not what team is the best and, team right now. Let, yeah, yeah, and let me just tell you. Let me just tell you. From my from, this is just me. Like I have this bond with Utah. Because I I was here. I played here and I've been involved in the program and so so I 
if I if I go somewhere, if I if I don't get to go to a game, which never happens, by the way. If I, if I then I'm always checking on the score for Utah. But guess what? I also check on the scores for Ohio State, and I check on the scores for LSU and Alabama and Georgia and Clemson and Oklahoma. Go through the list. I check on those scores. I have no tie to any of those schools. I don't think that people in the SEC and people on the committee who have ties to those schools are on their phones checking out Utah as just a point of interest. Does that does that make sense? Like, there's not this national. It doesn't feel like yes, it makes this sense. National recognition. It, hold on, except it, for Kate. tonight. I'm starting so, to feel like the way Utah played this game and won with you, as you said, style points. Yeah. Okay, so maybe let, there's something moving in that. Let, direction. let me try to make my point just a little bit more clear, because I, I do think that this team has some real mystique around it, and and I do think that they could play with anybody, and I and I do think that they deserve a shot at a playoff, whether it was in four or if you had to expand it to eight, they deserve a shot in the playoff. But I want to make this really clear: you've got two Pac-12 teams that should be ranked. Maybe four and five at the end of the season when they come to that Pac-12 championship. They're six and seven right now. Is that right? Oregon is six and seven. Oregon and Utah. They if they stay undefeated through the next three weeks, they should move up to four and five. So you're going to tell me that you're going to have a four-five matchup in the Pac-12 championship game. And if one of those guys has a nice, dominating performance over the top four teams, you're telling me they can't shift and say, oh, well, that is one of the best teams in the country. Well, yeah, but that one of those – Utah and Oregon, some, one of those teams is going to have to be four. I think going the, into the championship game, the Tua injury today. I think that's a that's big hurtful. Factor. That's hurtful. Well, for Alabama. I just think that Auburn, yeah. I, Auburn can get them, and and I'm I'm hoping that Auburn can get them, because Alabama is always going to be the intrigue. It's going to be the, well, I wonder what would happen with this team. Out of the five years of college football playoffs, they have been in it all five. Alabama has in, has been in all five college football playoffs. You, you you want me to run down the list here? I keep a running tally of this. Alabama's been in it five times. Clemson has been in it four times. Georgia has been in it once. Florida State once. Ohio State has been there twice. Michigan State once. Oklahoma has been in it three times. Notre Dame has been in it once. And then your two Pac-12 teams, Oregon and Washington, have been in that college football playoff. That That is your 20 teams over the last five years. Alabama has not missed a year of the college. It's time. I, and I know people are like, well, you can't just say it's time. Well, they got beat by LSU, and it's time. Leave out. LSU's not going to take a loss, are they? No. No. Okay, so they're in. No, they're okay. So there's one team in. They're so good. Ohio State is not going to take a loss. No. Okay. So Ohio State's in. Is Clemson going to take a loss? No. Okay, so Clemson's in. Now you have one loss to Oklahoma, right? 
Yes. They are 6-1 and one right now. Potentially. 7-1 and one after tonight. Potentially a one-loss Georgia. Potentially a one-loss Alabama. And then you have Utah and you have Oregon. Potential one-loss teams. Of those five teams, who fills the fourth spot? Do you take a one-loss Utah or Oregon over Oklahoma? Do you take a one-loss Oregon or Utah over Georgia? I do think you take a one-loss Utah or Oregon over Alabama, interestingly enough. And I hate the reason why, but the loss of hmm. Tua Tungvaloa, by, by the way, man, I hope that guy... I hope he's okay. Yeah. Well, how, how... Okay, tell me this. How bad do you consider that Kansas State loss for Oklahoma? It's pretty bad, and Kansas State got beaten by West Virginia today. Right. So that doesn't bode well necessarily for Oklahoma. We'll see what USC well, and, does tonight because USC needs to win. You can keep your fingers crossed and hope that Oklahoma loses to one of these two lost teams. Yes. The other thing to think about is that if Utah does win out and beat a top 10 ranked Oregon team, that's a top 10 win on their schedule. And most of those other one lost teams aren't going to have anything close to that. Right now, I think Utah is the only. Wait. How does this work? Utah is the only team that doesn't have a win against a top 10 currently. Is that how it goes? It's something like that. We'll have to do a little. Top 25, I think it is. Is it? Mm-hmm. Currently. Okay. Gotcha. Oh, a C- college football playoff top 25. That's what it is. Utah is the only team on that schedule right now that doesn't have a win against a college football playoff top 25 team. I think that's how it goes. Don't hold me to that. But I, th- I'm th- I think that's how it goes. By the way, USC up 10-7 on Cal, just heading out of the first quarter of play. So, Dance, you, you're in deep thought over there. You're a guy that rarely takes, a, takes time away from speaking yeah, into I, the microphone. <laughs> I feel bad because I feel bad because we really should be analyzing this game, but I, I just... After I, I after when when you know, know. they beat UCLA forty nine to three and you're right UCLA had some moments and Brian I think that we can all agree that we look, there were points where we looked at each other like well that guy was open over the top and if that ball was well placed it would have been twenty eight to ten which isn't that much closer but it's twenty eight to ten they were in the red zone a couple of times and if they didn't punch the ball out and get turnovers you know maybe they force a score but they didn't. Utah's defense got stout, they got nasty, and they did what Utah's defense has been doing all year. This isn't a one-and-done. This is something that's been become very common throughout the year. Different themes, too. Trail Burgess with a big TFL. Penasini knocking the ball out. Tafua with a scoop and score. It's just a, a collective performance of so many good players making great plays that it's just hard to deny that this team is is very special. Oh, absolutely. And, and so I, I feel yeah, bad because here I am wandering away from this game and projecting forward. I'm projecting forward because I can't help but think this could, this team could beat Clemson. 
this team would be in it in the fourth quarter square, head-to-head, square with Ohio State. What's that, Brian? I have a question for both of you. If you were grading this performance from Utah, Mm. how would you grade it? No, that's a good question. Well, I will grade it on my film review. Uh, I will go through the grade on it. Mm. It's an it's an interesting question because it's, I would, a, it's I would, a dominating victory, but uh, there were off the, bits and pieces that off the top of my mind. Okay, yeah. I, I would grade tight ends at an A, <laughs> quarterbacks at an A, <laughs> yep, running back at an A. Uh huh. I would go offensive line B plus A minus. Uh huh. I don't did Tyler Huntley get sacked tonight? He did, did he? Yeah, I don't know how many times. Uh, I'm pretty sure he did. Um, but uh, you know, I, I just and by the way, don't hold me to these guys. I'm just off the top of my mind. I would go defensive line. I would go B plus. Um, early on in that game, there was some movement. I know they they shut it down later. Maybe no, I'd go A minus D line. I would go A plus on safeties. I would go probably. B plus on corners, A minus, A minus, maybe someone. But then we got to take into account that in the fourth quarter they they did rotate. Like we were trying to figure out, okay, we're fifty five. Well, Mateafa has switched over to fifty five, and and so we're seeing some of the young guys out there. So it's just it's hard, but I would say overall it's still in the ninetieth percent. We saw a lot of Sione Hamuli Lund tonight as well. Yeah. He's a guy that we haven't seen a lot consistently. Um, I think what was interesting about this game, from my perspective, was they made big, big plays when they had to. I don't know if I remember a Utah team where they've come out and either caused fumbles or created interceptions or turnovers and then converted those into scores like this one does. And just, you know, UCLA came out fighting, kept trying to go. You know, toe-to-toe with Utah. We heard the quote from the wide receiver two weeks ago about how they felt they were a physical team as well. But I think Utah just kind of outlasted them really early on in the fight, though. Well, and Brian mentioned that 21 points for Utah came off of turnovers tonight. That's significant. Yeah. So I, I think this is a this is in that it's somewhere in that B plus A range overall mm-hmm. for Utah. We did see some interesting things happen, but I, th- you know, it was they were it was kind of few and far between. And and by the way, UCLA is pretty talented on the offensive side. They have weapons, and I think they have a terrific running back. I, I think we're going to see a lot more of of Kelly. I, I interestingly, I think the. As talented as Dorian Thompson Robinson is, and he showed some amazing athleticism tonight. Uh, I'm not. He's not. He's not where he needs to be in one particular area. I think, and I think we, you could see it in his eyes at some point in that game that he he lost. Yep. He lost the game. And resigned to it. He, he was resigned to it, it. It was right there when he looked to the sideline when that snap went by him. Mm-hmm. That was it. And, and I, th- I think that the score was somewhere around 34-3 to three or, yeah. or so. Yeah. It's getting late in the game, and then the snap, it looked like they yep. kind of fell apart. And, and then he had that look. I didn't see him... And I'm not saying that, you know, to be a leader, you have to go and slap everybody on the helmet and run up and down the sidelines. But I didn't see him, or maybe they didn't show him, engaging 
with his team to fight, to keep playing, yeah. to keep competing in that contest. So he, I think I, with all of that talent and all of that athleticism, I think there's, there are guys who win because they have the will to win. Like I would say, you know, Peyton Manning. Does Peyton Manning have the athleticism of a Dorian Thompson Robinson? <laughs> it's not. It's not even close. I think in a forty-yard dash that that Peyton Manning would lose if if Thompson Robinson was running backwards. I mean, there's a significant talent difference, but Peyton Manning wasn't going to lose, and he wasn't going to let anybody around him lose. That's to, to me that that leadership component. We'll see. Maybe he develops it. He's still young. Still super young. But that was one thing I noticed that was a little missing, a little lacking tonight. What do you got, Brian? I was just going to say when he had that ball just randomly coming out of his arm, that was kind <laughs> of the, the moment where he just quit. And and it was pretty evident at yeah. that point. Yeah. He knew he was going to get hit. He was – I can't remember. Who Was it Burgess that was bearing down on him? Yeah. Yes. So he knew he was going to get hit and kind of flung that thing out the side of his hand. I'm, I'm sorry, guys. I can't – I just can't get past – are you still on the playoffs? Yeah, I can't get past this stupid thing. How how does anybody look at me? I'm I'm getting blown up on Twitter. How does anybody look at me and tell me that if if Oregon and Utah climb to four and five and get to the Pac-12 championship team unblemished or championship game unblemished and and USC they USC's got to do their part. They got to win. They got to beat Cal tonight, and they've got to not look like idiots through the remainder of the season. But how do you tell me if the four and five team in the country plays for a championship that that team doesn't deserve at minimum the four spot help me understand where you guys are coming from Uh, no i'm with you and i think utah is it's this game especially was them putting on tape hey you want us to do style points you want us to blow teams out they were a 21 point favorite and they doubled them up so I, they're doing everything in their power to demonstrate it. And the other thing, too, is that the committee has said over and over again that injuries are going to be taken into consideration. And you have to ask yourself, as either a Utah fan or a Pac-12 fan or a sports fan in this market, how much of an influence are they going to weigh that Zach Moss didn't finish the game against USC? And if he had been in that game, would they have won it? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Got to ask that question. I don't think it's unreasonable to think like that. I think the problem is that we've been conditioned, like you said, over and over and over again to think, well, it's got to be Alabama and LSU then. Okay, so you want me to just back up and resign to the fact that there's three SEC teams in front of these two Pac-12 teams and that one of them just lost their starting quarterback? And Frank, you're saying, well, Hans, you really need to just shut up and take your medicine. I I did not I've never said that one time. You be honest. I've never said that. If you're meaning Frank like as the general public then okay, but you can't look at me and say that I've ever said that or even demonstrated anything like that to you. That's a complete falsehood. Okay, well, I'd like to apologize for for firing that at you. Cause, okay, cause I know you're Because be- between that and text about some unfortunate things that didn't actually happen, I've been a little misleading. For I'm you. just glad you're okay. I'm okay. Okay, listen, Hans. Does Utah deserve to be uh, in the okay. mix for the playoff? Let me ask you this. Uh, well, at this point, yes. But go ahead. Ask okay, me that. let me ask you this, guys. So here's who's in front of Oregon and Utah: LSU, Ohio State, Clemson, Georgia, Alabama. 
That's who's in front of them. Yeah. That's one, two, three, four, and five. Does Oregon and Utah now jump Alabama knowing that Alabama has lost their starting quarterback? I think that's a big deal. In fact, I think that's an enormous deal. Okay, is that enough for them, the college football playoff ranking committee, to say, you know what, it's time? Well, listen, who makes makes right now, who makes for more compelling – coverage who who makes for a more compelling game it's if you're taking Alabama's offense without Tua and you're taking Utah's offense with Tyler Huntley Brian can you figure out where Tyler Huntley is nationally like efficiency wise efficiency He's a top five quarterback in the country okay so Tyler Huntley. Well, he was number one in efficiency for a while. Yeah, he Tyler was. Huntley He's behind Burrow, uh, Jalen Hurts, and Tua Tagovailoa. So, so there you go. Tagovailoa. That injury to Tagovailoa is a that is a game changer because now you have the opportunity to say you don't want to miss this guy play. You don't want to miss a guy who throws the ball. For what was his completion percentage tonight? I mean, he's fourteen of eighteen on the night. Yeah, he missed four passes. Two hundred and seventy point eight. He missed four rating. passes. He had over three hundred yards, two touchdowns, and by the way, like we said earlier, not an interception. Quarterback. This. I mean, this is kind of an epic efficiency pattern that he's going through right now. Yeah. This is. This is without question the best in Utah history in terms of quarterback efficiency. Well, it, it is painful. It is painful. I'm, I'm just I, the the tough thing is. So you've got Oregon at number six and Utah at number seven. You do not have another Pac-12 team in the top twenty-five, and they they've all beat each other up, and it's and they've all had weird. Washington has done their thing. I like that Washington win needed to mean more than it did for Utah. I agree with that. Needed to be it needed to have more meaning. Arizona yeah. State needed to stay more relevant so that that stayed a top 25 victory. Now it was a top 25 at the time, but they haven't stayed in the top 25. There there are things that are going on that's not really helping Utah's cause and argument, but when they get there, and I do believe they're going to beat Oregon because the one thing you've got to crack with Oregon is that very good offensive line, and I think that you've got the talent and the depth and the play calling to do it. When you beat Oregon, that becomes a very valuable win. And now there's a lot of people saying, and I'll get your conversation on this, there's some people saying that Oklahoma beating Baylor was not a good thing because they'll have a rematch if Oklahoma then beats Baylor that that will or sorry when when Oklahoma beats Baylor again that that will fire them up above or up in the top Baylor still has to play Texas so if they can get by Texas then they will face each other in the championship game if they can't then Texas will go Texas is at Baylor next week so they you know the Big 12 can rack up some good wins and you're right Ohio State's not going anywhere and Clemson's not going anywhere those two teams aren't going to go anywhere. Mm-mm. But somebody help me understand how Utah Oregon doesn't become a, a premier prime matchup that that may define 
the team that gets that fourth and final spot. Well, especially if Oregon keeps up pace. They're up 21-3 against Arizona. If both Utah and Oregon post blowouts this week, and they did both move up last week while they were idle. Correct. And I've got to imagine that they that – they, I've got to imagine that they take over five and six. I've got to imagine that they take who, over who, five for, and for six. Whom? For Alabama. You, Alabama's got to fall out of there. Why? They won. I, I get it, but they've, they've also lost. They went down two spots last week with a loss. That that's going to be tough. They be, they beat Mississippi State thirty eight to be seven. Tough. Auburn you, may you, still have to it may, Auburn may still have to take care of business. Minnesota's going to Minnesota's going to drop because they lost. Oklahoma's going to jump up. They were number ten because they won. Penn State won today, but it wasn't a big win. Very Penn, close over Penn, Indiana. Penn State. Who knows? Maybe Oklahoma and Penn State swap. No, no, no. Because Minnesota drop. Maybe Oklahoma jumps up to number eight. And Minnesota drops out, but if you look at the if you look at the top twenty five college football playoff top twenty five, there's four four SEC teams in the top twenty five. Well, I just know there's three in the top five. I How many Big Ten teams? I didn't count below that. So I didn't realize this, but Texas lost today too. There's five big four big five Big Ten teams. There's at least seven SEC because you got. I I believe that Florida and and Auburn are still up there. Oh, in in the top twenty five. Yeah, yeah. Florida, Florida, Auburn are in there. Alabama, Georgia. So is it just five? And LSU. So that's five. Mm-hmm. I don't see another SEC team in there. Might be five. In the top twenty five. Yeah, it's just five. You have it open in front of you. Yeah. Uh-huh. So th- is it? So is it just those five? Uh huh. Okay. Yeah, some are going to drop. Like Navy was number 23, but they lost to Notre Dame today. So Notre Dame will jump up a little bit. Notre Dame was at 16. So if USC wins, they could actually come into the top, top 25. 25 as well. Yeah. Yeah, that would be interesting. That would be interesting. The 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 lack of so the lack of parity in the cuz I don't think there's parity in the Pac-12. Okay. So, so the lack of parity in in the in the Pac-12 hurts Utah and Oregon. Okay, so then I guess my question is, and by the way, I want to make this really clear. I am not discouraging anybody's argument against the Pac-12 being a, a, a being a, a great option for the final four. I'm not. Like if people are out there saying, "No, it's not going to happen because the SEC deserves two spots, the one-loss teams deserve Georgia one-loss deserve this." If you want to make those arguments, I'm not I'm not going to disparage it, but I've got to imagine when we're talking about a conference championship team where two of those teams that are playing in that conference championship are probably going to be at the minimum they'll be 5 and 6. Number 5 and oh, number 6. Y- yeah. The, yeah. If if they do what they're supposed to do, I, I guess I'm just struggling to think that that team that wins that conference matchup doesn't get an opportunity. So I don't – like everybody out there, they've got their argument. So, Frank, I think that your argument is more, Hans, pay attention to who the selection committee is and what their <laughs> tendencies are. Right. Right? Yes, that is my argument. That's your argument. If your not- argument is not – well, well, Utah's got holes, or Oregon's no, got holes. No, no, they no. They don't deserve. No, no. Your, your argument that. is, Hans, 
you don't know your audience. And and that's very likely. I guess there's a part of me that has a bit of anxiety because I want to see this team with an opportunity mm-hmm. to show the full extent of the talent that they have and that what they've accumulated and what they've built into. Because like Brian said, th- this is not the Utah team that you saw against USC. This is a much better team, more committed, more focused, and more complete, more full. I believe that if Utah matched up against USC at this point in the season, it's a it's another it's a it's a win like this. It's a forty nine to three 42 to 3, 35 to 10, Utah domination kind of victory. It was the perfect timing for USC to catch Utah. Coming off of a non conference schedule that was weak and didn't really prepare them for the adversity that they faced against USC. Mm hmm. And they, they, you know, it's unfortunate they took that loss. It's a, it would, it would be a different game at this point in the season. Well, people are barking at me saying, "Well, this USC loss is really ugly." I think that Oklahoma's lost to Kansas State. Oh, that's super, super ugly. Is Not equally. only that they lost to Kansas State, but that Kansas State lost today against West Virginia. So, what, what, what we're all describing then? There is certainly going to be a one-loss team in that Final Four, right? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hundred percent. So if the if the one loss comes down to an SEC conversation, then there really has to be a God, the conference champ. You know, there's five. There's been five teams out of twenty in the five years of the fourteen playoff. Mm-hmm. Five teams out of the twenty that were not conference champions, and I think Notre Dame counts as one. Alabama. Didn't I think Alabama got through without a conference championship one year as well? Yes. Yeah. There, so there are four. There were four teams over the twenty that have been selected over the five years of college football that that did not win their conference championship. So you're right. That's always an option, and it's always going to be the SEC that gets that nod. Well, typically, more often than not, it's going to be the SEC that gets that nod. Mm-hmm. I, I just think when you've got a one-loss Pac-12 team that wins in the conference championship against another top-five-ranked team, that should give that should be worth something. Can, let, let's t- let's take a look at it like this, okay? Just give me a minute. So, so who does? Who does Alabama have left? Who does Utah have? So Utah has Arizona and Colorado left. Those yeah. wins aren't going to impress so, anybody. Al- Alabama's got WCU. <coughs> is that w- Western Cincinnati? What C- is that? What is WCU? You, it's Western Carolina. And I believe, that the, I believe that their mascot is the Catamounts, but I don't know for a fact. But I think it's the Western Carolina Catamounts. And I think that after Alabama destroys the Catamounts, for having the Catamounts there, they should take a step back. And then they finish with Auburn. I'm very impressed. You're 100% spot on Is it? that. Yeah, Western Carolina Catamounts. <laughs> you looked it up. No, you I have really it didn't. on your computer. No, I really it's didn't. right in front of no, you. No, I, I really don't. That... Maybe. I'm more curious to know why you know that, though. <laughs> I, because he has it on his computer. It's uh, sitting right in front of him. No, because I have great cer- concern for the population of Catamounts. 
I don't know if you know this, you but they're know, on the protected list. Do you know what a catamount is? No. That's that's just uh, un- and, and then they finish with Auburn. Who else were you asking about? Unbelievable. Let's take a look at Georgia. Georgia has Texas A&M. They beat Auburn today. They have Texas A&M. You know, be, it would just be kind of a win. And they have Georgia Tech. So not a, not nothing. I mean, that's not a great schedule, right? No, that's not a great schedule. Who who else do we have that we should take a look at? What well, is Clem, oh, I mean, what, Clemson, Clemson's going to finish twelve and zero. What is what is their remaining schedule? And, you, and you you pick up Clemson, and I'll take a look at Oklahoma. Clemson's they've got one game left, and it's against South Carolina. They beat Wake Forest tonight, fifty two to three. They have one game left. One game left against South Carolina. Okay. And Oklahoma, who squeaked by. So this is a good win for Oklahoma because they beat an undefeated Baylor team. That's yeah. a good win. It's a good win. And they have TCU. TCU has been up and down. I think they're, they're 500 on the year, something close to that. And then they have, uh, right, currently number 22, Oklahoma State. Those are those are okay. Let me just hands don't reach across here and choke me. Those if Oklahoma wins out versus TCU and Oklahoma State, those are better wins than Utah beating Arizona and Colorado. They just are. Those are just better wins because Arizona and Colorado at this point would get beaten by lots of teams. Oklahoma State's also ranked in the college football playoff right Yeah. So that's a, that's a difficult one to overcome. But the counter to that is who has the worst loss, Utah to USC or Oklahoma to Kansas State? I agree. I agree with you. But, and but it, I think it, it really might play this, out. The only people who agree with you are in this room and in a you know 500-mile yeah. radius. It, it also might play out in conference championship games. I think the only hope for the Pac-12 is that Rob Mullins, who's the, uh, the chair of the college football playoff committee, he's also the AD at Oregon, that maybe he has some some kind of sway. He I can't actually sit in on discussions yeah, to, when they're yeah, talking about right. Oregon. That's right. But well, as the head, the, the maybe sad he has thing is, influence. the sad thing is, Larry Scott wants Oregon to win. And the sad thing is, everybody thinks that Oregon would have a much better, better chance, chance because, because they have more national yeah, recognition, more cachet. They've been there. They've got money. They've you know, Phil Knight, no Nike. I was thinking about this with Urban having so much success on the big noon thing that Fox has done, and 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 sharing so much about Utah. Is that helping to build the brand for Utah right now, and maybe push the conversation forward? I think a little bit. Sure. Yeah, Absolutely. I think a little bit. I think every little bit actually helps. Because I think talking heads like Urban, Kirk Herbstreet, some of those more high-powered people really do have influence. Oh, in there's and, and there's some dudes that have Lee bought Corso. in. <laughs> there's some dudes that have really bought in. Well, <laughs> Lee Corso, he announced Utah hey, as a he, Final Four before the season started. I know, but I think Corso's been sipping the sauce a little bit. <laughs> Maybe not. We'll see. <laughs> If who they did, got there, maybe he's just clairvoyant. <laughs> who did he pick today? What's going on? College game day was at Baylor. Who did he pick today? Did he pick Baylor? or Did he pick Oklahoma? I'll check. All right, man. I'm. I, we are so far off the mark. Let's do this. Let's. I know. You let's know regroup on I the hope Frank Dolce's. No, don't do that. But I hope it's good listening because it's it's really compelling to me. This this is really compelling stuff because Utah's put themselves in this situation. Have given that they've given themselves this opportunity. Well, I have texted 
every coach I know on that team and said, hey, just make sure you don't turn on the, the post-game show because we're talking about things that you don't want to hear. I don't think we can really... Coaches don't want to hear any of this crap. Coaches I don't think we don't can really talk us. about Arizona and Colorado. Huh? There's not really a whole lot to say about those two teams, right? No. Arizona and Colorado. That's, I, this is more compelling than talking about Arizona and Colorado, right? I mean, Khalil well, Tate and J.J. Taylor. Let, let's do this. Good. Let's take a quick one. We'll come back and we'll hear from Kyle Whittingham. And we'll get some of his thoughts. Uh, Coach Whittingham next on the Frank Dolce football <laughs> postgame show. It? Would you knock it off, Hans? This is the Handles and Show featuring Frank Dolce. Let's roll with that. I'm not going to roll with that. It's the Frank Dolce, I'm University of Utah. Look at how I'm rolling with that. <laughs> rolling. Kyle Whittingham coming up next. Lost the setback. There he goes again. There he goes again. There he went again. Touchdown. This is how you play in a phone book. This is Ford, Nick Ford on the if block. And Moss, a rolling stone, gathers no Moss. He's in. <laughs> well, I'm telling you what, that is so sweet to look at. Yeah, he can run light, heavy, catch passes, whatever you want to do. Well, it was a complete dismantling of UCLA. You know, they got their punches in here and there. Had a nice opening drive that got them three points, but really ended with Bradley and I on a big sack and Trell Burgess on a TFL. UCLA got the red zone a couple more times, but it ended up in tipped passes for interceptions and forced fumbles by Penasini and some other big stops defensively. And it just seemed like Utah's defense owned the night when they absolutely needed it. Zach Moss controlled the ground, and Tyler Huntley put balls exactly where they needed to be for receivers to make big catches and big touchdowns. It was a dismantling of UCLA and a big win, 49-3. to Kyle Whittingham addressed the media right after this thing went final. Here's his thoughts on this win. All right, outstanding short, uh, performance by our guys tonight. Uh, proud of them. Uh, you know, offense, offense, defense, really both uh, outstanding play. That's a good football team, too, in that other locker room. they got a lot of playmakers. The quarterback is special. And uh, we, uh, you know, we just played well tonight. But that's give, – give them – a, uh, some credit because they they played or they have some guys out there that are that are really talented and athletic. Uh, Tyler Huntley was outstanding, uh, his usual uh, in, you know incredible completion percentage and and uh, yards per attempt way up there. Zach Moss was outstanding. Entire defense, I think we created four or five takeaways and uh, scored on one, set up another score. So a lot of good things there. Uh, rough in the punt game. Punt game is real rough tonight. That was not a fake punt in the third quarter. We have a design in the uh, rugby-style punt where if he thinks it's there at any point, he can take it and just made a bad decision. I'll take responsibility for that. At that point in the game, I should have called it off or, or told him that that was not any longer in play. And so not Ben's fault. Um, other than that, like I said, the you know just great uh, great preparation by our guys. They, they worked hard uh, in practice all week long. Uh, stayed focused, uh, you know, blocking out the outside noise and the and all the the stuff that's going on, and just paying attention to what they got right in front of them. And uh, that's what we need to do again this week. And so, uh, like where we're at, but still some football left, obviously, and we got to uh, we got to keep keep uh, focused and uh, just keep our same mindset. So, questions. Coach, uh, 
the players, when they came in before, emphasized that they made a point of, of being a more physical team through the four quarters, do you feel like they accomplished that goal? Without a doubt. Yeah, without a doubt. And you really look to the rush yardage when you – that's your first indicator of, of physicality. And uh, we certainly won the the, uh, the rushing battle and uh, controlled both sides of the line of scrimmage. Guy, what, what allowed for Brent Keith to get some of <laughs> He's just a tremendous athlete, and it's not anything we scripted differently other than um, – you know, he just happened to be uh, shake-free more often than he had in the past. He's he's played really good football for us all year long, but he's he's a tremendous weapon, and he's uh, he's only a sophomore. He's a true sophomore, and uh, he's a tough matchup. You know, I don't know if teams know really how to how to account for him because he, he can't be covered by a linebacker, and and uh, safeties even safeties struggle with him. And and Andy has done a great job of. And one thing Andy's. Well, many things, but one of the strengths of Andy is he puts guys in position to maximize their ability and what they do best, and uh, he's certainly done that with Brant Keithy. Coach, uh, Demario Simpkins had a, had a fumble tonight, and that makes the second week in a row the receiver has lost a potentially costly fumble. What's being done be, uh, behind the scenes or in practice to try and... We're flogging him and uh, <laughs> trying to trying to emphasize that uh, ball is everything and we, we certainly in all seriousness we certainly uh, give it a, a great deal of attention in practice it's it's constant it's it uh, we have turnover circuits and all kinds of things that we have in place to try to eliminate that we've been pretty good all year long as far as uh, winning the turnover margin we haven't turned it over a ton but we have fumbled too much this year that's something we have done we got it. 14 quarters now uh, in Rice Lincoln Stadium without allowing a touchdown. What do you say about your defense, not only in general being so consistent? Yeah, really good players, really good players. The front four is, uh, I'm biased, but I think it's the best in the country. Uh, linebackers are active and tough and making plays. Secondary's covering. Uh, Coach Scali's getting them in the right spots and the right locations, and his staff is doing a great job with fundamentals and technique, and you just add all that up together, and it's pretty good defense. Coach, as the regular season comes to an end, how do you stay focused and ignore all the outside noise you guys are hearing? Well, we still got two games left. You know, we're we're not we're not done yet, and so it's it's uh, the same mo this week as it's been the last several weeks. Is is uh, just focus on what's right in front of you. Don't uh, don't worry about any of the uh, outside stuff, and uh, you know just pour all your attention and your focus and your your efforts into whoever's next, and it happens to be Arizona next week. How much does it impress you that your guys play at something close to their best? Every week. It's very impressive, and and I've said this all season long. I love coaching this group. It it is an absolute pleasure to be around these guys and to be and to work with them. And uh, it's I don't think I've had you know, I've had to yell maybe one time all year. I mean it's literally it's there. It's a great group, senior leadership and leadership. There's leadership uh, beyond the seniors as well, and uh, they just take care of their business. And it's a very mature, very. Uh, just a, just a, a group that uh, understands how to how to operate. Coach, I know. In, in the first half, Julian Blackman had seven tackles, one and a half sacks, an interception, and forced fumble. Is that one of the best halves you've seen him play? And how important was it to the defense overall? I knew he was playing well. I didn't realize he was that productive. That's a heck of a hack of half of football, and that interception was big in the end zone where he went up for that jump ball. And Julian is. Uh, in the right spot. He made that transition from corner to safety flawlessly and uh, he's going to, you know, he's drawing attention to the scouts and he's going to have a chance to uh, continue to play at that spot. 
coach at the next level. I know you just want to win, but you know, considering the, the playoff implications, the, the rankings and so forth, do you ever consider so-called style points never, in this game? Never consider that. That's something that we don't do, we won't do, and uh, that's just how it is. And we weren't trying to run it up tonight. You know, we pulled all our guys and just started running the football. Uh, the, re- the thing, the reason we left the pedal on the or the gas pedal down a little longer than I is I've watched that Washington State UCLA game several you know months or whatever it was when they came roaring back from down 32. it was 32 in the late late in the third quarter and so that was the reason why we we kept uh, kept the throttle wide open for for a little longer than usual how big of a factor was the fact that one of the UCLA players questioned your toughness your team's toughness <laughs> yeah our players were aware of that for sure and uh I don't know how much it bothered them or amused them. You know, I don't know. I can't tell you, but they they knew and uh, didn't make a huge deal of it, as far as you know. And uh, (laughs) players responded well. Thank you. Okay. Good. Thanks, guys, gals. There you go. What was that slurpy noise at the end? What was that? What was that slurpy noise at the end? Was he smacking his lips? What no, happened? I think somebody was giggling because he said, thanks, guys and gals. Oh, okay. I think he had a Coke-flavored Slurpee. That sounds good, man. Like he was sitting there and he was parched because he'd been talking and coaching mm. and talking for so long. And then he he said something very aggressive to Morgan Scally on the sideline, so he was built up this thirst. Yeah. Is that what he would bring to the Pac-12 shakedown? <laughs> okay. Hey, I've got a question for you, Frank. Honest question, Frank. Okay. You're laying next to... Oh, my gosh. Huh? Oh, my gosh. Dump it. Dump <laughs> it, Brian. A pina colada Dump. Slurpee. Right. A yeah. Coke Slurpee. Yeah. Or one of those blueberry Slurpees. How am I which, lying which next one to all you, three of those? Which one That's are you taking? That's a triangle. I don't do a triangle. Which I can't one have to are be lying next to one or the other. I think the French have a term for this. Oh, <laughs> which you can't have all three. Which Slurpee are you eating? I'm taking the pina, pina colada. colada. Yeah, Brian, it's pina colada. Yeah, we're unanimous. Why are we talking? I'm. I need a Slurpee, Brian. Hey, do you have? Go get us some Slurpees. Do you have the players' conversation? Yes. Mm-hmm. So. After this game goes final, obviously some of the big guns get up on the podium and have an opportunity to speak. You're going to hear from Tyler Huntley, Bradley and I, Zach Moss, and Brant Keithy. So they really loaded up the the uh, dais with some heavy hitters from tonight. When you're, the most, when you're more physical and it, it, um, other things come along, um, you know, your scheme comes along better, uh, things open up more for you as a defense. Zach, with, with you guys in playoff contention, I mean, is there any uh, any talk of running up these scores to make sure that it's just convincing? Or no, we just coming out here trying to um, come out here and do what we're supposed to do is win. Um, we don't care about what the score says, or anything like that. Um, we just want to come out here and make sure that we put in our best efforts. You know, um, making sure that we execute in our plays because it's not about the team that we're going against; it's about us. Um, so we just make sure that we execute our plays to the best of our ability and whatever we do on the offensive side of the ball where we put up points, um, that's what it is. So we're not out here trying to run up scoreboards or anything like that. Tyler, is this offense or defense or both tonight? All of the above. All of us did our job. Um, we got a lot that we could prove on, but we all did pretty good tonight. Awesome. Thanks. You guys have played close to your eight game for six games in a row. How, how do you do that week after week? 
Uh, it starts in practice, you know, and guys being accountable of each other, just making sure that everyone's out there doing the right things from Monday to Friday, um, getting ready for the game, and just making sure that everyone's watching film, getting extra film study in, if it's meeting with their coaches or whatever it may be, just doing extra things that uh, other teams don't do late in the season um, because this is championship month. Study or what did you see in that or in the game tonight that you knew that deep ball would be there tonight? Uh, they tried to pack the box, uh, trying to defend against Zach. Uh, so it, it created a lot of one on ones in the back end, and um, our receivers tied in, did a great job of getting out there. Grant, do you know going into a game like this, you're going to be targeted a lot, or did it just happen as the game? I go in every game trying to think that I'm going to get a lot more targets, but uh, just Snoop got me the ball, and I was open in space and just made a move, and credit that to the O-line, credit, uh, credit that to Tyler also. I just mean, uh, think we need to keep that mentality of physicality and uh, just open up the field and make those big plays, which we did tonight and showed it. Bradley, what, what was it like to see somebody like Mika Tafua, uh, you know, get a get a interception for a return? What, what's that kind of stuff like for you guys? Um, it was awesome. Uh, you saw I was I was tired after that play because I sprinted 100 yards to go and celebrate with him. Everybody, everybody else did too, and so I was very excited for Mika um, and. Um, it was just a fun game overall for the defense. We got a lot of turnovers and stuff and gave it back to Tyler and them, so it was a fun day. Zach, did they tell you at all why you got penalized for after that touchdown? <laughs> um, I guess when I scored, uh, I went over and uh, high-fived the fan, or he came over and high-fived me. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Brian, were you aware you were close to a career high there? Um, after that touchdown, I figured I was like, I should be about 100, so <laughs> close to a career high. So just uh, thank Tyler for throwing me the ball and just giving me the ball in space, too. Tyler, are you ever surprised at some of the things that your playmakers do, like nah. Keithy <clears throat> making guys miss out there? Mm-hmm. Never. Mm-hmm. Never. How much confidence do you, do you have in the uh, More confident than I got in myself. And I got a lot of confidence. That's a wrap. There we go. That's some of the guys after this win. You heard from Brent Keithy, Zach Moss, Tyler Huntley. I think Bradley and I was in there as well. Frank, I want you to put a bow on this wrap it up for us Utah did everything that they needed to do today to continue down the path to reaching all of the goals that they set at the beginning of the football season it was a dominating performance it was a performance coming off of bye week which can be tricky sometimes Uh, it was a performance that was another another indication against a pretty talented offense about the strength of this Utah football team on the defensive side. I just, there's not, there's not many people in the country that are going to, that are going to give that defense a lot of trouble. 
and I'm talking about the you know the top teams in the kind. I just I think you know that maybe there are teams that can score some points, but this this is a defense that just brings a lot to the table. Very difficult, very difficult beat, d- defense to beat, and an offensive side that just it's it it's the same thing. I keep saying this week after week, and 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 it's refreshing because finally, how many years hands have we gone through Utah football? under Coach Whittingham and have said, you know, there's there's been times. I mean, I don't want to make it sound like it's – but there's been times when – like Norm Chow was at the U and you said, mm-hmm. well, Utah has a philosophy on the offensive side. They have, a, they have an identity on the offensive side. <clears throat> but there's lots of times in his time as the head coach where we said during the football season – what is the identity of the offense? What are they trying to accomplish? What is the game plan? Mm-hmm. What's the strategy every week? Well, it, it feels like this is a Utah football team, even if they take a few punches here and there, take some shots here and there, like they just stay the course. Hey, we're going up against UCLA, and they're, they're pretty good against the run. They give up a lot of passing yards, but you know what? We, this is what we do. Mm-hmm. We run the ball, and we're physical, and we're deadly accurate and precise in the passing game. Efficient. Efficient. That's mm-hmm. what we are. We don't turn it over. And, and, so, and we don't turn it over. That's a key philosophy on the offensive side. Ball protection is supreme for that offense. Mm-hmm. And so they just go and execute that game plan. And everybody has bought in. And you can just feel it. Like, okay, here, here they go. This is what they do, and mm-hmm. they're going to start marching down the field, and they're going to be productive. So it's just this, this, is a, this is a different team, I think, than we've seen. We've seen lots of good teams play at the University of Utah. This is a different team. This, is, this feels like a complete team. On the offensive side and the defensive side, mm-hmm. and and it's a team that hasn't lost sight of the task at hand. Yeah, it'd be easy to to roll into a UCLA game with being a little bit feeling pretty lofty. Yeah, but they didn't, and I don't suspect them to feel that way next week or the week after. I do suspect that they will find themselves primed. And ready to play a fantastic football game in a Pac-12 championship scenario. Yep. This is the number one team in the country in rushing defense. This is the number two team in the country in time of possession. This is the number five team in the country in third down conversion percentage. This is the number 20 team in the country in rushing offense. This team has the number three quarterback in the country in efficiency. This team is the number 20th team in the country in pass defense. This team is the number three team in the country in total defense. This team deserves an opportunity to show its dominance at the highest level. And they're, con- they're continuing to show that by dominating the remainder of their opponents. People are like, well, their schedule isn't tough enough. Go look at Clemson's. I guarantee you, Utah walks through that ACC schedule and just smashes the teams that Clemson is facing 
week in and week out in conference opponents. So I, you can't. It's really difficult for me to look at that and say, well, they haven't beat anybody of major note, and that USC loss is well. The football that they're playing is extremely dominant. They'll have a chance against Oregon, and they deserve a chance. This is a fantastic football team. It is exactly how I would design my team if I was a coach or a general manager at the professional level. This is how I would design my team. Defense that I can hang my hat on, a run game that I can rely on, and a pass game that works off of it at high efficiency that doesn't turn it over. Mm -hmm. This is championship-level football. And I think that they deserve a chance to show that level as they move on. This has been your Utah Post Game Show with Hans Olsen and Frank Dolce. Big thanks to Brian Brown uh, for all his contributions and all his hard work. And, Brian, I know things got a little bit sketchy earlier today during the pregame show, but you did a fantastic job of hanging on there. Um, no thank you to our executive producer in Lloyd Cole. No, I'm just kidding. Whoa, that I, I, took a funny turn. I love my boy Lloyd, and uh, he does a fantastic job getting things all set up. Huge thank you to Miller Light, the VIP tent, Little Caesars for rolling out the pizzas, mm-hmm. all the Utah fans that showed up for the, the VIP tent in the pregame. It's just been one of those incredible days that Frank and I will never forget. And there's more to come, Frank. Just there's not enough. We're so – it's. I hate this part of the season. I know. I'm so filled with excitement when – when the football season is rolling around and then we get in a couple games and it just feels right. Yeah. And then, I mean, it's like in a snap. We're two games left. I know. There's a lot of excitement left. But I I wish it rolled on a little longer. Man, I I love what we have in front of us. And it's going to be fun. And remember, Thursday, starting at 1 o'clock, the Utah preview show. Two full hours of live on air back and forth about this Utah team. The coaching staff, the players, and their potential. That'll be on Thursday. Remember, kicking off on Monday at 6 a.m., DJ and PK, we take you through all day live radio talking Utah football and much more. And it's all right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.